We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Welcome in, everybody, to a live Three Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online and uh, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, who has covered a K-State NCAA tournament run or two in his day. We'll find out uh, on this show. Cole thinks K-State's going on another one here. The Cats are a three seed. Okay, so the little bet I made on Twitter, we do not have to change the name of the show to Formaw. K-State is a three seed, damn it. They got the respect from the committee that they deserved, at least in terms of seeding. They did not get anywhere close, as Cole has already pointed out on Twitter. K-State is going to be as far away as any of the top 16 teams in the NCAA tournament playing in Greensboro. They will open up with Montana State and then get the winner of Providence and Kentucky if they were to advance into that round of 32 game. So we're here to break it all down, react almost instantaneously uh, to all of this. Certainly want to hear your comments and your feedback as well. Let us know throughout the show. And uh, hey, let us know too, if you've been enjoying your 360 vodka or your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon from Holiday Distillery. Of course, our great sponsor, great K-State folks, who I'm sure are uh, fired up about K-State being back in the tourney and back as a three seed. Second highest seed that K-State has been in my lifetime. And I believe since the tournament did expand and start going to this 64-team field. It is the second highest seed that K-State has ever been. So all in all, boys, uh, pretty exciting times. Your your initial reaction, D.Y., to, uh, to K-State's draw? I appreciate that they were still a three seed. I think that was appropriate. Um, you guys know I've said for the last two weeks because I really poured into it and did deep dives almost every day. You, I know Kurtz was probably annoyed by it by, by the time that we were – picking the, the selection show aired, but I said, man, it would be really, really hard for Kansas state to fall to a four seed and they would have to play close to perfect basketball to be a two seed. So neither of those happened. They're a three seed. I thought that was appropriate. Um, really just bitten by bad luck this year when it comes to locations, because there's look, there was only three, what three locations West of the Mississippi river this year and about nine or 10 teams west of Mississippi River worthy of being in the front 16. So um, that, that's just the the luck of the draw there. You had three East Coast locations, but really no East Coast schools. So um, I don't think the formula and how they do it is messed up. It's more or less that a lot of the best teams this year, for some reason, were concentrated in the same part of the country. So the committee was kind of at the mercy of that. Someone was going to have to go to a a far away to play basketball. And unfortunately that's Kansas state and Gonzaga, just because a lot of the best teams this year were west of the Mississippi and just fewer spots. But um, you guys have probably had a chance to look at it more than I have at this last two hours. Yeah. Last two hours have been kind of a pretty breakneck pace for me. Um, I covered two different press conferences now, wrote a story and, and now I'm doing a podcast and trying to do everything at once. But I, you know, if you take maybe a step back and, 
walk away from the frustration that maybe is the destination in terms of where you're playing. They got a favorable draw. I mean, Montana State's a really good matchup in terms of what other teams you could play in the first round. And then looking ahead even further, Kentucky and Providence are not necessarily the profiles of teams that have given Kansas State headaches this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a little different on that second round draw, DY. I'm not a fan of drawing a preseason number four team in America, the preseason pick to win the SEC and All American and Oscar Shibway and the number three offensive rebounding team in America and the number one offensive rebounder individually in America against K State, potentially 400 miles from their home in Lexington, while K State has to travel 1,100 plus miles to Greensboro. So there's my beef. Be- I, I, I am not a yeah. fan of that at all. So I would not be shocked if they lost to Providence, though. Uh, Providence is really, really reeling right now. They've lost four of their last five. They dropped a home game by 20-plus at home to Seton Hall just a week ago. I, I just I can't see it. Now, Ed Cooley is a good coach, and maybe he'll rally the troops and they'll get it together. But I would expect K-State to be facing Kentucky in the second round, which will be the third time that K-State will have played Kentucky in the tournament since 2014. Uh, but – I digress. You got to get there first. You got to get to the second round. I'm not saying K-State can't beat Kentucky by any means. I'm just saying it's going to be an extremely difficult matchup. That's Kentucky team that has won five of its last six heading into the SEC tournament and also is, you know, a top 28 Ken Palm team. I think they're 28th in Ken Palm. K-State's 24th in Ken Palm overall. And they swept Tennessee on the season one in Knoxville and beat them at home, just one at Arkansas. So there's plenty of talent, but they're an up and down team. So we can get into Kentucky if K-State can get into that second round. But first, you look at Montana State, talk about a team that's got to travel far. They got a long distance to go. It's big sky conference champion winner. Um, you know, they've got some pieces. They're an experienced team, but I certainly think that it's it's a very winnable game for K-State, you know, and a good draw for them when you look at it. I mean, Montana State's got two quad one and quad two wins combined. They don't have a single quad one win on the year. They haven't beaten anybody, really. Uh, their best, you know, opponents they played were Oregon, who they lost to by 30 in the non-con, and Arizona, who they lost to by 21 in the non-con. So I think there's some favorable things in the matchup. The, the one thing that we'll talk about that's maybe the biggest concern is their ability to get to the free throw line. They're fifth in the country in free throw rate um, and, you know, top 30 in the country in free throw percentage at uh, right around 76%. But we'll dive into that and the numbers here a little bit more. But j- just my initial thoughts, really excited to, to be a three seed, certainly. Uh, Ron Prince beat Montana State by 59. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm really not really not that worried about it. Uh, the, the Kentucky thing, Colt, look, I, I will say this. I mean, I had the initial first blush sort of reaction that you did where it was like uh, twofold. One, why is it that we're always winding up with Kentucky? Because the thing with Kentucky is, you know, that like, if you're getting them in the tournament, either they are a really high seed or they're a team loaded with talent that underachieved during the regular season, which to a lot of these guys that are, you know, one and done types going to the NBA, I can see how that gets boring. Then you get to the tournament with the lights on. They turn it on. That's that's the time to turn it on. It's much more exciting. You you ran into Final Four Kentucky in the eight nine game in twenty fourteen that you referenced, and then beat them as a five seed, uh, another team that kind of underachieved that year. But uh, Barry Brown and company with that layup late to to beat Kentucky in in the Elite Eight run. But the other thing is just I, I, my initial thought was like, okay, K State struggles with like TCU, right? Tons of athleticism, tons of speed. They turn you over. They get out and run in transition. That seems like a horrible matchup. I I don't. I have not watched like a second of Kentucky basketball this year, but I know who Oscar Shibway is. I know how good he is. I know he's a guy that can really rebound. And I thought, well, I mean, K State obviously has had a lot of trouble on the glass at, at points this year and giving up offensive rebounds. But fan, I know, gave me the numbers on the turnover rate and stuff. Like Kentucky has not been a great team at turning people over, or like a real high intensity defensive pressure team, at least according to the metrics this year. So that kind of calmed me down. And then I thought, I mean, look, it's it's a six seed. It's going to be a pretty good team. You look around, I mean, Cole, I'll just ask you, would you rather play Iowa State, TCU, Creighton, or Kentucky if you got your pick of six seeds? I know, obviously, the Big 12 stuff couldn't happen realistically, but if you had to take your pick of playing one of those <clears throat> one of those teams in that game, who would you pick? Uh, I would pick Iowa State, certainly. But outside of that, I mean, I wouldn't be excited about playing TCU or Creighton. I mean, you guys know that my fear of playing Creighton as well. And look, I'll be honest, when they were unveiling the bracket, I was concerned about Duke um, and having to draw them. I mean, Duke's a team that's really on fire right now, has come together at the right time. And I I didn't want to be that four seed. 
playing them as the five. And so I was certainly happy about that. I, I would rather play Kentucky than Duke. Um, so yeah, look, it, when you looked at the six and the seven seeds this year, it was going to be a tough draw, probably no matter what. I mean, we'd express concerns about Creighton, you know, you'd seen Michigan state and some other teams in that six, seven line that were a potential matchup. So you're going to have to beat somebody good to get to the sweet 16. And like DY said, look, I'm, I, I won't put it past Providence to knock them out in 11, six game. So We'll just have to see what happens in case they don't have to take care of business first against Montana State. And then, you know, we'll get geared up for a, another big draw against Kentucky. And one thing you know, when you play Kentucky, there's a lot of eyeballs, uh, good for ratings and uh, good for a lot of people watching your program on the national stage. Well, they were going to have Kansas State play TCU or Iowa State in the second round. So it probably really limited what the, they were, they could do that. Um, and obviously, that's why you have Kentucky. First, another thing that I will say, as I get the rebounding thing, especially with Kentucky, because they're very robust in that category. But Kansas State is, I think I ran the numbers. Yeah, we're here. They're a top three rebounding team in the Big 12 in the last seven games. So, like, Kansas State is not that bad at last. In fact, they won the rebounding rate matchup with TCU, even in that loss in the Big 12 tournament. Um, obviously, TCU's the, they convert. That, that's the big thing. They converted almost every time they got an offensive rebound. But rebounding is just not the glaring problem that I think Kansas State fans – are kind of getting caught a little bit and being a problem for this team. They've really corrected that issue in a significant way. Kurtz alluded to as well, turnovers, Kentucky's, that's not kind of their thing. You don't, you hope that you don't have to run into that issue if you're playing Kentucky because they haven't really been that team all year. Thirdly, if you're going to get Kentucky, you, you want to get them in that second game or fourth game. Every time that John Calipari tends to exit the NCAA tournament, it's usually that second game or that fourth game where you only have a day in between and coaching becomes pretty significant. He's a hell of a recruiter and a hell of a program builder, but in terms of X's and O's game plan and game coaching, he's never been seen as someone that is a giant in his industry at being that. So he he's tended to kind of lose that second game, that fourth game Kansas state um, actually was, the first game really because it was sweet, sweet 16 matchup. So it didn't reflect in that game in particular. In addition to that, Kentucky is a very short bench team. Um, they've actually played two of their last three games with one point guard uh, total. So they, they are very, very limited when it comes to backcourt depth. They've been very banged up. That's played into it. Case and Wallace is also going into the NCAA tournament, not 100%. We'll see if they get Severe Wheeler back. I mean, he's one of the better defensive point guards in America and pressure defense. He's been out lately. If they do get him back, he's going to help improve their defense. They're 71st in Ken Palm defensively. Look, they are not a great defense by any means, John. You mentioned the turnover rate the KSU fan had pulled for us. They are not a team that's going to turn you over or force a lot of mistakes. In fact, this is a Kentucky team that just in the last 10 days got beat twice by Vanderbilt. Now, that was on their home court in Lexington, and then essentially their home court in Nashville, which I know sounds strange to say because Vanderbilt's based in Nashville, but Kentucky had 10,000 fans at that game, and they were pretty much owned from, you know, 10 minutes and left in the first half to the end of that game by the Commodores uh, in that matchup. So while I pointed out some of the great things that Kentucky has done this season and their potential, they also have the potential to lose to teams like Vanderbilt twice in 10 days, and I know Vanderbilt got hot down the stretch, but it's still a team – that's not in the NCAA tournament. On the rebounding front, DY, K-State's 208th in the country in defensive rebounding percentage. Kentucky's number three in offensive rebounding percentage. I know K-State's gotten better defensive rebounding, but I think what sticks in people's heads, you just look at the TCU game and the Big 12 tournament, and where did K-State get crushed? And Jerome Tang was so frustrated, was second chance points, 25 to 15 on second chance points. They converted 1.8 points per offensive rebound, TCU did. And so K-State will have to pound the glass against Kentucky. But you can get the, – the one thing you can get Kentucky on is Shibway and a lot of isolations, pick and rolls, because he's not a good defensive player. And if you can isolate him into mismatches and get him on like a Keontae Johnson, you can blow by Shibway. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Kentucky basketball this year. So there, there are reasons to be optimistic – um, and you could certainly, if Kentucky plays their A game, they're going to be incredibly difficult to beat. But if they're their B game or worse, you got a great shot. Uh, I have the numbers here, by the way, on on turnover rate for Kentucky. So they they're number two hundred and sixty three uh, in the country at forcing turnovers, and number one hundred and forty in uh, steal rate. And then Fan also even parsed this for us. It was if you it was not okay. 
Kentucky's non-steal force turnover rate is number 348 uh, in the country, which which would be a sign of not not a heavy pressure team. So uh, if you had concerns about the turnover and the athleticism and, you know, I mean, that because that's been K-State's biggest bugaboo all year. And I'm, I'm sure if in, if they do lose, they don't win the next six games, that turnovers are going to be a large part of, of what it is that, that happens and factors into it. So anyway, just throwing those numbers out there, T.Y., go ahead. I would say can't say – I, th- I don't know if their problem is as much as the rebounding part as it, because like I said, they won the rebounding rate against TCU. It's about giving up those easy buckets at the rim off of those rebounds or a three pointer second shot. defense not great. Obviously you want to eliminate the rebounds, but they had more, they had a higher offensive rebounding rate than TCU in that loss. Well, and John, the re- the reason why turnovers are such a big talking point, and, and I know most K-State fans know this, but I went through every single game score for K-State box score, today on the season. And when K-State turns the ball over 15 times or less since the start of Big 12 play, and this includes the Florida game, K-State is 12 and three. And when they've turned it over 16 times or more, they're, oh, they've are they lost all five games when they turn it over since the start of Big 12 play. And so obviously that's a huge factor as well. And also when you look at it, you got to also look at assists and conversions on field goals. When K-State's assist rate, when they're assisting on 60% or more of their made field goals. It means they're moving the ball extremely well. Since the start of Big 12 play, K-State is 10-1 and one with an assist rate of 60% or higher, and 2-7 and seven with an assist rate in the 50s and lower. Well, and that's, that's what, I mean, it felt to me like the, the TCU game was just, I kept complaining to you guys in the group chat. I was like, the half-court offense felt terrible. I mean, it just did not seem like there was much, and then, of course, once they start to get down, they, they try to hit the home runs and panic sets in. You, you guys know the whole narrative. But anyway, yes, Cole, just speaking to your point, I felt like the TCU game, just the half-court offense never had any flow or anything like that going on. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We're, we're talking a lot about Kentucky. We're not, we're not playing them on Friday, are we? Well, okay. Let me, D.Y., let me get to my next storyline then, which is K-State doesn't get the, the Midwest bracket. Neither did Kansas. Uh, instead, they, they get the East. So you got the potential here. The potential of sending all these New Yorkers, Marquise Noel, you've got not, not only that, Naquan Tomlin, think about the story. Think about Jim Nance sitting there, like, telling the story. I know, I guess it would be Nance. But, uh, you know, I, I and Eagle, take your pick. Brian Anderson, somebody telling the story of Naquan Tomlin growing up playing in Rucker Park, not playing high school basketball, now coming back in a Sweet 16 game in the Garden. Come on, man. That's that's a pretty good story. You know, I mean, Tyke Green, obviously, from, from the area, too. Like, they – New York dudes, Madison Square Garden. I w- I've watched a basketball game in Madison Square Garden. It was the NIT championship a few years ago between Texas and Lipscomb. Uh, I would, I will be there. I will find a way to get there. K State is playing in MSG uh, in a regional semifinal or regional final. So I mean, and that would be I know D.Y., your point is we're talking too much about Kentucky. Let me let, let me take it to the obvious next point, okay? And that is playing in the East region and maybe getting everybody back to New York. Right? Let's go. Okay. Uh- Let's let's put all the New Yorkers out there because to make sure we're hitting on them. Obviously, you mentioned Marquise Noel, Naquan Tomlin. You touched a little bit on Tyke Green. Ish, Ish is from New York. Oh, Ish, yeah, so, I forget, I forget I about Ish. Yeah, um, is that it? Is that the four? Curtis Kelly, if you know, he's a GA, but he's going back to New York, right? 
That's another. Yeah, am I missing? Yeah, he's one? from that. Yeah, he's yeah, he's from New York. Uh, no, nah, I think he got them all. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really cool storyline. And I we had talked about it a month ago the possibility of ending up in Madison Square Garden and being that a major talking point for all these New York guys going back to to their home state to their home city and uh, no better arena than to play it in in the historic MSG. So what an opportunity that'll be, and that should serve as some extra motivation to get to that Sweet 16 for these guys because what an opportunity. Um, to have that chance and for DY for you to, to cover a game in Madison Square Garden. I know you'd be excited about that. And look, I've, I've never been to New York in my life, so I will have to figure out a way to make that trip. I can tell you guys that I have been to Greensboro, North Carolina. So I, uh, I think I rode a prop plane to get in there. It's not an easy destination to get to. I was there for a work trip about seven, eight years ago, uh, kind of yeah. a historic type city. Uh, not a lot there. You know, you've heard Jim Beheim really complain about the ACC tournament being in Greensboro uh, over the years. But, uh, you know, I, going to Greensboro, not not the I easiest will, place. I will probably make my own conclusions on Greensboro. No, no offense to Jim Beheim, but he just doesn't seem the kind of guy that I should probably, you know, buy his opinion on a particular city. Uh, <laughs> would you like my would you like my I, opinion? Do you want? I have also been to Greensboro. What I do you think, John? Greensboro. Uh, I did not watch a game there, but I went there. So uh, the national sports media association headquarters used to be, or still is in Winston Salem. So like, that's in that same, that's the triad, right? It's like Winston Salem, Greensboro. And I got my, my buddy, Josh Graham is going to kill me for not knowing that. Um, but anyway, I, I, so I spent the most time in Winston Salem, but we did go over to Greensboro at one point for something. Like, I think we went by the arena where those games are going to be played. And I mean, like, I don't know. See, I didn't think of it as like that small, Cole. Like, I don't remember where exactly I flew into or what, but it seemed fine. It seemed normal. I mean, I didn't, I didn't come away thinking it was like some totally decrepit it's, place. And Jim Beheim sucks, by the way. Yeah, so I mean, no. you know, I, I know he he does. He absolutely sucks. He's a whiner. I've been at press conferences with Jim Beheim. He yeah, can really he, try he, to play the intimidation card. Were, were you were you at the? I mean, so that's my first tournament. My first year covering K State full time after college was when. We played Syracuse in yep. the Fine. second round of the tournament after beating um, Southern Miss and Larry Eustachy in that first game. And I, dude, Beheim was just an asshole in those press conferences. <laughs> he I mean, went after awesome. Reggie. Yeah, he uh, went after are Reggie we, Miller. Are we, are we really going to drag the guy days after his retirement? I don't yes. give a shit. I don't give. Yes. I don't give a crap about Jim Beheim. You know he. Uh, yeah, you know he's he went after Reggie Miller in the press conference, uh, made fun of him. It was very awkward and uncomfortable. I was sitting right by Reggie Miller there, so yeah, like I I didn't mean to bring Jim Jim Bayheim in it. I'm not here to slander Greensboro. It's fine. I had a little bit of issues getting there. It's not like obviously we can't drive there, right? Unless you want to spend two or three days in a car. I took I off work this week to to try and make it, but uh, we'll 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 see if I can make it work. Um, so. We'll, we'll maybe try to make it to Greensboro, but nevertheless, like, you know, ready, ready to go. Got that Friday night game. So uh, fans can really pour some, some Ben holiday bottled in bond bourbon and really get liquored up for that one. Got a lot of time for it. Oh man. I'll, I'm going, I may not leave that arena that night until like 2 a.m. Like that's 940 local time. Cole here. Cole, Cole, can I get, can I get you on the record with this? So you, you are not going to be going to Greensboro. I take it. Uh, well, I, I haven't made that official yet. If I could find some sort of real, relatively affordable flight, I, I could maintain that as an option, but, but probably not. Okay. But, and you, and you will have the day off. Uh, I will. Oh, are you, are you trying to ask me if we watch it together? I'm trying to, are we doing whatever the hell casino round two on this bad boy for, for Friday NCAA tournament games is what I'm asking. You're asking, go to the casino and then, um, after that, go back and watch the game somewhere? Yes. And okay. the last time we did that, K-State won in dominant fashion. There was no stress <laughs> at all. It was a great day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. I hope we don't 10-9 Montana State uh, like we did Iowa State. Uh, no fumbles at the goal line. So, yeah, no. I mean, that, that is certainly certainly a possibility. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I would be interested in doing that, assuming the unlikelihood that I go to uh, to Greensboro. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a day off work for it, Cole. I'll take a day off work to go do that on Friday. Man, it'll be a zoo though at the casino. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. So, 
All right. So, you know, we're out. We're 22 minutes in here. Montana State. Um, so Montana is a state. Apparently they have two universities, two major universities located in said state. Uh, Montana State is the Bobcats. Uh, they have a mascot that I don't I don't think it's like I mean, look, Willie takes a lot of crap, but I, I think this mascot is even worse than Willie. And we have just uh, extended all of the Montana State knowledge that I have in my holster here. So that means I need to turn it over to you guys 22 minutes in here to uh, talk about Montana, Montana State because I got nothing. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, I got nothing. All I do know is <laughs> on a quick Google search three seconds ago, it is in Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> and it is the Bobcats. They, Hey, and that's like – you know, especially this last season of Yellowstone I just watched, I learned a little bit about Montana and its politics. If, if that carries over, I don't know. Well, you guys ready for me to roll out my uh, my offense-defense version that we did for our football previews? Uh, because I I went into scramble mode. I left my wife with the, uh, the twin girls taking care of them tonight so uh, I could get some prep work done on uh, – You can't what? begin a statement with I left my wife. <laughs> I left her upstairs with the uh, the twins taking care of them while I was scrambling to pull together all of the info I could on Montana State. And well, look, wait, wait, on that front, what, what does Brody think of the draw? I well, don't care about Montana State. I need to know what Brody thinks of the draw. I haven't talked to Brody yet about it. My, uh, my mother-in-law came up. Brody's on spring break this week, so we did not have the opportunity to watch the selection show together, unfortunately, uh, as he went to uh, her house here for a few days today. So I will talk to him right after we get done recording and we will see what we think of, of that draw. So, okay. All right. Proceed. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Montana state. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's level set you on Montana state 25 and nine this season, big sky conference championship winners, automatic qualifier to make the NCAA tournament. They went 27 and eight last season, lost two double digit scorers off that team that won the regular season, big sky and the conference tournament. They made the NCAA tourney last year lost to Texas Tech 97 to 62 in the tournament in the first round game. So if that gives you any confidence, I mean, that was a Tech team that was fine. They went 12 and six in the Big 12, but they smoked Montana State by 35 in that game. I already mentioned zero quad one wins, have not played an incredibly difficult schedule, as you could imagine, playing in the big sky. Only two power six opponents they played were Oregon and Arizona. They lost by 30 and 21, respectively. Two quad two wins on the season. They went six and five versus the quad three. They're 110th overall in the Ken Palm rankings, number 73 in offense, but not a great defensive team by any means. I, I think, you know, we talk about turnover rate, turnover percentage. This is one of the big things. They are not bad at forcing teams into mistakes and turning them over. They're 75th in the country out of 363. Division one teams and turnovers possession forced at 19.6%. If you want to comp for how that compares to somebody that K-State played and struggled with with turnovers, TCU is 23rd in the country at 21.5% in turnovers possession. So they're at 19.6%, 75th in the country. So a, a decent gap, but you know that gives you kind of a, a relative comparison that you could look at. I, I think really one of the biggest things in this game, guys, is going to be the free throw line and K-State avoiding fouls. Number five in the country getting to the free throw line is Montana State. They're 32nd in the country at 76% at the free throw line. They're number two in the country at drawing defensive fouls per play at 27.3%. Number two in the country at that. For a comp, West Virginia is number eight in the country at 26.4%. So if you're looking at somebody that K-State played, you know, they're a team that's even better at drawing contact, getting to the free throw line than a West Virginia. K-State is 173rd in the country in fouls per defensive possession at 24.1%. So this is going to be an absolutely big thing in this game is to not put Montana State at the free throw line, a large number, because they have guys that can really shoot it at the free throw line. Raekwon Battle is leading them in scoring at 17 per game. He's a transfer from Washington. He's a six foot five junior career, 31% three point shooter. Uh, shooting 43% from the floor, but 84% from the free throw line in 136 attempts. He's shooting 47% from the floor overall this season. Jabril Bello, four-year player at Montana State, all four years with the program. He's a 6'9", 240-pound senior, second in scoring at 13 points per game, 74% at the free throw line on 201 attempts. 
Uh, you know, this is a guy that's con- con- a shot over 700 free throws in his career. So he gets to the free throw line a lot, um, shooting 60% from the floor on field goals, 58% from the floor in his career. Uh, great Oz- Ozabor. Man, these guys have some interesting names. Um, forward from England. He's third on the team and scoring at 10 points per game, mix- making 62% of his shots, a six foot eight, 245 pound forward. 98 of 147 at the free throw line, 67%. Last guy I'll mention, Darius Brown, who's fourth on the team and scoring at around nine points per game. He's a 41% three-point shooter. So he's that one guy that can really shoot it from three. Career 36% three-point shooter on 323 attempts, 92% from the free throw line. He's a fifth-year guy who transferred in this year from Cal State Northridge. Uh, So, you know, you got a lot of guys that can really shoot it from the free throw line but they are 288th in the country in three-point shooting percentage at 32%. When you look at upsets that occur in the NCAA tournament, guys, what what is the common denominator that you often see? You see teams get hot from three, catch fire, uh, and that's when teams get knocked off. The upsets happen. Well, this is not a team that shoots it well, particularly from three. 288th out of 363 teams uh, doing that. And uh, last thing I'll mention on them, it's a team, though, that is hot. You know, you always worry about running into these teams as you get into the postseason that are feeling good about themselves because they haven't lost much. You know, this is a team that is 17 and two over their last 19 games. They were eight and seven to start the year, and they sit here today at 25 and nine. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Yeah, I see a bad hombre says you better hope it's not a ref show. I think that uh, that seems appropriate based on what what Cole just told us there. Cole, I'm going to need you to answer an honest question for me, though. Have you have you watched a second of Montana State basketball this year? Have you in in all your you have not? I'm not. It's uh, I know that's a rare that's a big upset, right? Talk about upsets. Yeah, it is an absolute upset that I have not watched Montana State one second. I don't know what I'm doing that I haven't watched Big Sky. I didn't even watch Big Sky Conference Tournament Championship. So that's my mistake. Can't believe it, man. I don't. Was that on a, a, an available network? Had to be. I, it had to be out there, and I I did not prepare adequately. So we'll see if we can gather up as much tape on the uh, on Montana State as we can get. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to need a little better effort out of you, my friend. Um, it was very cool watching. <clears throat> well, Jareem Dowling had an Instagram live going on. So did half the team. Like you could really have just picked anybody during the selection show to watch all that come across. And it was really interesting listening to them. I mean, basically what it was, was you were just like listening to Tang and the assistant coaches like go back and forth about what the seed was going to be and what they were thinking of the bracket as it was coming out. Like that was actually really fascinating. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, so shout out to, uh, shout out to those guys for doing that. But DY, you said you were, you attended the press conferences, right? You were, you were a part of this. You've heard the audio. What was the reaction of, uh, of everybody to this draw? Uh, just what you'd expect. Pretty cookie cutter stuff. Nothing. I don't know. I, I I don't like if I, if I knew nobody else was going, I want to skip the damn thing. Right. Like, but I know that the newspaper. Paper writers always want quotes for these types of stories and everything, but the ones you get are cookie cutter. And I could have probably gave it to Arnie Green and Kels Robinette and 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 Tim Everson from Manhattan Mercury and told him what the team was going to say before they actually said it. So I, I don't get a whole no offense, cool. I know you used to be one of those guys. None taken. I, I take no offense to anything like that. I think most of us are in the same boat with uh, with how those press conferences unfold. And it's not. Uh, it's nothing on them. There's nothing to say. Although did, Jerome Tang apparently was a little bit colorful with his uh, comments to CBS Sports when they asked him about Oklahoma State. Well, uh, and we can talk about that. I, I felt like the Big Twelve didn't get as much respect as it should have uh, throughout the in, the entirety of the bracket. But let me touch on. On one last thing here before we kind of leave the Montana State subject, because I see this comment from Eric H. And I actually had the same sort of thought uh, as as to what he put up here. But he said TCU supposedly couldn't make threes either, which, you know, they're not a good three-point shooting team at all. They were the worst in the league. Uh, they got hot against K-State, the best three-point defense, uh, defensive team in the league. And uh, it did turn out a little bit differently there. So, um, you know, still yeah, what, I, what I will say. 
plays, it's not supposedly. TCU can't shoot threes. Look at what they did all year. There's no supposedly about it. But even bad three-point shooting teams can have a good game every once every 20, and that's what they did. They had three good three-point shooting games all year. That's it, three. Two of them, one against K-State in the Big 12 tournament, and the other one was when they blew out KU and Allen Fieldhouse by 25. Sometimes bad shooting teams, guess what? They still have a good day every now and then when you play 35 games. Well, they were still pretty good against Texas, too. Uh, late in the game, I looked up and they were 6-12. of 12. I don't know what they finished against Texas, but they, they did lose that game, too. Uh, well, uh, I had nightmares that night at Chuck O'Bannon slingshotting balls in for three-point makes with his ugly-ass yeah, form. The ugliest uh, looking shot that you could ever dream of. Uh, my yeah, brother I, used to shoot like this. It wasn't a whole lot different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was brutal. I mean, look, I know, and we're not going to spend time talking about that TCU game. I had a lot of people in my mention saying, well, maybe you should guard the three-point shot. Look, K-State executed a game plan that most teams had done against TCU, including K-State all year, and TCU usually missed. You know, TCU was 6-36 of 36 against K-State on threes heading into that game in the prior two matchups, and K-State was not out guarding the three-point line heavily in those games. The game in Manhattan, John, you were there with me. K-State gave them a lot of open looks from three, and TCU didn't convert. It's just a matter, like, people think when they're going in that K-State's playing horrible defense. Well, they were thinking that the odds were going to eventually play out and TCU would start missing, and they it was just one of those nights where it didn't go your way. Now, in the NCAA tournament, you can't have that happen. You know, so if a team is hitting, because your season's over if things go bad, if a team is hitting from three, like Montana State is having an on night, you're going to have to adjust and get out there more and guard them. Uh, rather than probably play the odds. Yeah, and people would have been pissed if K-State would have adjusted because you go out there and guard Mike Miles and Damian Ball with ball pressure, guess what? You're going to give up easy two-pointers all night too. Like, Well, and it still happened, and it started happening more and more after TC was hitting threes, and you did see a little bit of creep from K-State defensively getting up closer there. Then they were getting blown by because that's what TCU does. That's what they're elite at is just yeah. getting to the rim that's and blown Right, that's why you can't guard them at the three-point line because they're they're like a 26, 27% three-point shooting team, and they have Mike Miles, the best guy getting to the rim in the entire country. Like, well, Cole, do I mean, do? we don't need to focus a ton on, on that game specifically, but I guess where, where is your concern level just with the team in general? They had been hot, culminating with the Oklahoma game, which was watch, like, like watching the Harlem freaking Globetrotters out there, and then they go out and lose at West Virginia without Desi Sills, kind of a frustrating game, and then a, a really frustrating game against TCU. Back-to-back -back losses here. Seemed like the vibe from Tang after the game was kind of like, hey, you know, maybe these guys didn't really understand the urgency needed uh, when you're playing in, in these tournaments at the end of the year. Where is your concern level with, like, wh where this team is at? You know, this is kind of streaky this year. Well, and I, I even went re rewatched the first 10, 12 minutes of that TCU game on TV because I'd recorded it. And, you know, one thing that stood out to me is K-State came out with a lot of energy. I mean, it's not like they were flat early on in that game and they built that 11-2 to lead and then they were up 18-13 to at one point and they were playing really well. And Marquise Noel was having a really nice start to the game. He had five points and four assists in just the first six minutes of that game and was really dishing some dimes. And then I, I think what really happened is K-State started to get deflated with TCU making so many of those threes, um, you know, Obana and Miles hit a couple back-to-back -back threes and it, it deflated K-State and they started to press and uh, they had a lot of turnovers, obviously way too many turnovers, 19. So I think if you think about it, like it, that's the big point of concern because against West Virginia, they had 19 turnovers as well. So back-to-back -back games at 19, you know, I think with West Virginia, you could partially chalk it up. You're on the road and you didn't have Desi Sills as another ball handler but then you had Desi back and you still turned it over 19 times against the Horn Frogs. And I, I think, I don't want to call it out as like an effort issue, but I, I did think that there were some loose balls that K-State should have probably gotten and uh, were unable to in the second half. It just felt like they, they got frustrated and a little flustered. And then the second chance points hurt them. So I just, I just think K-State needs to be tougher. Can't have teams out tough, out tough you in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I, I think they'll have to bring the physicality without fouling too much because we just talked about what Montana State wants to do and get to the free throw line. Uh, but I, I think you got to be physical, block out, and really get to the loose balls. That, that is a little bit concerning to me too because, it's like, I mean, Naquan Tomlin was like a foul machine there at the beginning of the game, and they, they've got to get him to to stay in it and like stay in games. And because you know, he picked up two early ones, but I know it's been said by many. I mean, he could have had another couple of fouls there early on in the game too so they just and then Keontae obviously was in foul trouble too against TCU so both of those things 
uh, really hurt. But yeah, I, I guess the the other factor here would be how how much do we read into this team has been great when they have been at home. They've been pretty elite at home, and then it's a real mixed bag outside of that. And you're going to be however many miles away, over a thousand miles away, uh, going to Greensboro here, further than any of the top 16 seeds again, as or 16 teams, as as Cole pointed out earlier. So you're not you're not going to have like a home court advantage. And in fact, if and when you're playing Kentucky, it, it would be quite the opposite, considering they're only 400 miles away, and that's a fan base that is going to travel. Uh, where, where does the concern level rank as far as that goes? Maybe we, we'll, we'll start with D.Y. here on that one. Yeah, obviously it's not ideal, but I think the whole away from home thing has played out like to a point where I got frustrated a little bit today with that question of the mailbag because if you go look at what the in the Big 12, I mean, Kansas State was what, the third or fourth most road wins in the league? Like, it's because winning on the league's hard. If you do it a few times, you're pretty damn good. I mean, they won at Texas and Baylor in back-to-back, back-to-back fashion. They, they already won a tournament on a neutral side. They won the Thanksgiving tournament in Cayman Islands. Yes, there was only one other tournament team in that field, and that was Nevada, but they won that, um, and they earned it. Like, I just – look, they were obviously better for most of the season when they had the crowd at their, their backs. I mean, it was against Nebraska and Kansas City, even a little bit on the neutral side in the Caymans. Obviously, all won every game but one at home. But you you did just have eight or nine thousand fans in Kansas City and you lost in front of them. So yeah, I here's my thing. I I think the road thing is a little bit played out because everybody in this country, everybody in the country had trouble winning on the road this year, and I think someone looked at it. I mean, Kansas State's still top fifteen of every team that made the NCAA tournament in road wins. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it you, John, that had K State um, third most Big Twelve road wins on the year with the three? It, it was it was behind. I think it was Kansas and Baylor were the the top two. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And look, I know that K-State in recent weeks has only won the game at Oklahoma State in the non-con. K-State was solid away from home. They beat Nebraska and KC, which I know was mostly home court. And then you beat Rhode Island, LSU and Nevada. Nevada's in the NCAA tournament as one of the last teams in, you know, beat them in the Cayman Islands tournament. So K-State actually really started off well on the road, neutral courts. Um, has scuffled a bit, but I, I just think that's the nature of the Big 12. I, again, I think getting out of the Big 12, Fresh start, playing against new teams, new competition that don't have the scouting reports and familiarity with you is really going to benefit K-State and all of the Big 12 teams. And so I'm not overly concerned about it being, you know, over in Greensboro in terms of fans not being able to make it. I mean, look, K-State in 2019, that's their, what was it uh, the, the Elite Eight season run? K-State was in Charlotte for the first two rounds, right? So bring back some of that North yep. Carolina magic. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked we talked about Kentucky – Earlier, you know, look, that's a Kentucky team that lost in, to St. Peter's in the first round last year is a, a 15 seed versus a two. So Kentucky, Calipari in the NCAA tournament lately, there is a decent chance they do get knocked out before you even play them. So upsets are going to occur, as you guys know, and I'm not too concerned about it being, you know, that far away. Kansas State beat Kentucky and Atlanta in 2018, right? I mean, that's Catlanta. That's what they always call it. They beat Kentucky and Atlanta. That was, I mean, look, yes, that was four five years ago, but that happened. And guess what? Cole talked about Kentucky losing to Vanderbilt twice in the last 10 days. One of those was in Rupp Arena. Is the home crowd of Edge really going to be good at losing in front of their own crowd against Vanderbilt? How dare you guys. We have USA Gaming in here. Nice Kentucky I'm fan so, checking so, in and watching sorry, the pod. Man. USA Gaming sorry, says Kentucky fan checking in. Would love a second round matchup with y'all. Love your team's energy and the way you play the game. And you guys just crapped all over Kentucky and the way they play the game and the way Coach Cal coaches – I mean, next, what do you want to say next, Cole? You want to say that Coach Cal is going to be at Texas next year? Like, we'll have fun playing uh, Coach Cal next year at UT? I was going to say Kentucky doesn't even like their coach, I don't think. Most of them don't seem to. I mean, if if, uh, KSU Gamer was tuned in to the beginning of the podcast, I've spent my time talking up Kentucky. Cole, USA Gaming. I'm sorry. I'm KSU Gamer. It's USA (laughs) Gaming. Could we (laughs) – we have disrespected Montana State by not talking about them for the first 22 minutes of this thing, and now we are blatantly disrespecting Kentucky in front of companies. That's kind of that's kind of our thing, though, right? We always drag like one weird school of fuck. <laughs> that's actually that's actually really true. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna stop anyway because you know we we kind of just drag everybody, no survivors in this thing. But also, yeah, it's always there's someone catching strays like every every podcast. So, yeah, that that does that. This time it was Jim Beheim was the random uh, person totally catching strays here on the podcast. Speaking of uh, people catching strays, 
Do you guys see how long of a long of a commute it's going to be from college in Quivira for all the Kansas fans after they get out of college oh, algebra class at uh, Johnson County Community God. College on Thursday or Friday <laughs> to try and to try and make the trip for, of course, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games, which will not be at Sprint Center. Boy, we are shedding some tears for our, our in-state brethren, the Hawks, not getting a cakewalk and home games in Sprint Center, T-Mobile Center, whatever, in Kansas City, uh, because they didn't get the Midwest. They were So they finished third in the pecking order as number one seed. Uh, I mean, I got to be honest, hilarious. I love it, but that does seem uh, rather harsh for the best league in America. Texas doesn't get a one. Uh, Iowa State's a six. Oklahoma State gets left out of the tournament. Uh, I did feel like the Big 12 probably deserved a little bit more respect than it got. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it, it just seemed like the like that bracket reveal a month ago was it just like bullshit? Like because <laughs> like it got had so much respect for the Big 12. And it was like a month later, ah, we don't think the Big 12 is all that good. Well, right. It was very strange to me. You talk about Kansas not getting Kansas City, which what's odd about it because the S curve and how it works. So some teams just luck into a draw. Iowa State does get to play at the artist formerly known as the Sprint Center. So Iowa State, they get Sandals Kansas City twice this year. So good, good, uh, good looking out for the Cyclone fans. And uh, I, I just didn't love it. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk a little bit about that Big 12 thing, it, Jerome Tang went on the air with CBS Sports. Uh, must have been after the press conference that we have with him. And I think that he was asked about maybe the, the Big 12 disrespect or, or something along those lines because he said – no disrespect to Nevada, but we played Oklahoma State and Nevada, and Oklahoma State's a heck of a lot better than Nevada. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Steve Alford's going to be looking to schedule a, a home and home <laughs> with, uh, with Kansas State, taking that shot from the Wildcats. And, you know, uh, what I will say is, you know, well, first of all, is Iowa State in Greensboro for the first, second round? I think they are, right? Mm hmm. I can tell you here. One... Why don't you look that up, John? I trust that our Iowa State Cyclone brethren will be cheering on the Wildcats as well. Uh, you guys do that, and we'll do the same for you. Um, so while, while John's looking that up. for yourself, buddy. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to build up some camaraderie here, okay? Uh, if uh, if you think about it, though, I was not did – I, did I not say in our group text last night, guys, that my bold prediction was KU would not get the Midwest? And what we did was we looked at the bracket reveal that came out on February 18th, and they had Houston above KU. And entering today, Houston had not lost since. Now, I would argue that KU, obviously, with its resume and quad one wins, should have been above Houston. But I had wondered if the committee would actually change their stance on Houston-KU, given that KU had lost a couple additional games and Houston had not lost, albeit against much weaker competition. And lo and behold, that held up, and Houston got the Midwest. So I, I was not overly surprised by that. Nothing else about the reveal held up, though. <laughs> Except K-State. K-State stayed as a three. They but went they from number two. They fell below Xavier. No, no, they're ahead of Xavier. Xavier well, finished as the number 12 team in the bracket, and K-State oh, finished as number 11. Now, what was – The Big 12 in general did not hold up. Like what, what 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 is an interesting talking point for us guys is Gonzaga they, they listed out the ranking of overall seeds Gonzaga came in at number 10 K-State was number 11 would a TCU win in Kansas City had gotten yeah, K-State above Gonzaga and put them in Denver because that that yeah, does make that loss sting a lot if that's the case I said yeah I said that all along would take one more so I think that probably indicated that yeah but who who dropped to a four that we didn't expect to be a four? Because no one thought Xavier was going to be a three. Um, I don't know. I have your answer that uh, Iowa, Iowa State is playing in Greensboro. Cole. Ooh, excited to see my Cyclone friends there. So uh, let's let's cheer together for the Big Twelve. I mean, cool. Iowa State. We'll do another bridge segment. You know, we'll, we'll do some sort of uh, prayer circle together this week on another show. And uh, I'm excited to see all of you in Greensboro, North Carolina. Let's travel in waves. Let's caravan to Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, Cole, remember we had the the dual action in Oklahoma City once upon a time where we got to see Ali Farouk Banesh knock out Kansas and then watch K-State beat Jimmer uh, later that day to go to the Sweet 16 in, in Oklahoma City. I mean, we could have the same thing here. Like Chris Jans could just roll through punch Iowa State out of the tourney, and then K-State comes in and beats up uh, Montana State in the nightcap. That could, could be a really nice day. 
uh, again, you're you're talking about Iowa State losing. I'm talking about us rallying together as as a family, a Big Twelve family, and united in our front against America and other college basketball conferences. Who are okay. they playing? Uh, they they've got the winner of a playing game, so it's Mississippi State and uh, Pitt. Well. Iowa State, if you want comforted, Mississippi State's the worst shooting team I've ever seen in my entire life. So uh, talk about not guarding the three. They're terrible. Yeah, how did, how did Mississippi State make the field? I Weren't they like three and nine in the SEC at one point? No. Uh, I mean, they weren't. They definitely weren't good at one point. You're right on that. I think they, they rattled off some wins down the stretch and somehow made it in. We'll see if they can get out of Dayton. I don't know. I caught a little bit of their game against uh, – uh, Alabama at one point this year, and I just remember looking like, I don't I feel like I, that's... I, I know that we think that uh, Oklahoma State should have made it, but at what point do they kind of all turn around and look at Mike Boynton and say, what are we doing here? Dude, they, they started... Mississippi State started 1-8 and eight in the SEC wow. and somehow <laughs> made it into the field. That is... Crazy. Okay. Uh, but that, that's kind of what I was talking about. Like I, I realized like the SEC and the big 10, they have far, they have more schools. Right. But when I was looking up at the graphic at the end of the day and I'm like, God, we got eight big 10 teams in here and eight SEC teams in here. And we got seven from the big 12 and we're leaving Oklahoma state out. Like, come on, dude. Like what, what are we doing with that? The big, the big 12 did deserve better. The big 12. Well, did I'm a little better. surprised that Nevada made it. And I thought the two, I thought two schools that didn't make it. Look, if you put yourself on the bubble, you're you're kind of, you know, putting yourself into everyone else's hands, and you probably don't deserve benefit of the doubt here. But I thought that both Oklahoma State and Rutgers probably should have been in the in the field. Anything else from the Big Twelve brackets that really stand out to you? I mean, it it seems like Kansas has a tough eight nine matchup with Arkansas and Illinois. I'm not sure that they would be thrilled about that necessarily either. Um, that's that's a tough – no, that is a really tough draw. And Joe Lenardi actually nailed that matchup to a T because I texted you guys about it yesterday. If yeah. they got Arkansas or Illinois mm-hmm. in that second round, you know, those fan bases will show up a decent amount to Des Moines, Ar- and I, they're they're talented. I can ex- I anticipate that being Arkansas. Look, if you, it's kind of like uh, whoever uh, – I forget what I was, what team I was thinking of, uh, but whoever, whoever got Arkansas, you are going to be in a, a weird situation because you probably had done so much well during the year that you didn't really deserve to play a team with two top ten picks. And I know Arkansas, the reason why they're in the, you know, the line that they are is because a lot of those guys were hurt this year and it affected their what their resume looked like, but. I mean, Nick Smith and 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 a few of those other guys play. I mean, Arkansas has like three or four first rounders on that team. Yeah, but they're going up against uh, Brad Underwood in the postseason, and you never never doubt him. <laughs> yeah, because what's yeah. Like Nick Smith? Nick Smith could be end up being a top five pick, right? I mean, he's that's nasty. Uh, any any thoughts on a potential Texas Texas A and M two seven matchup in the second round there? Oh. I didn't even uh, see that. Wow. That's that's why they did it. And it's that's what that's in Des Moines, too. Um, look, maybe this is our our big ball bias is coming into play. I'm certainly sure that's the case with me. I think Texas would just mop the floor with the Aggies personally. I, I don't know. I actually think that'll be a very, very competitive game, the way AM defends and rebounds. I, I think they're, they're very hard nosed. I know they played bad today against Alabama, but uh, I, I think that'll be I tough. Think, I, I think Texas going to the Final Four. They're good, man. I don't uh, think it's such an I think West Virginia is going to beat Maryland in the 8 9, and I think they're going to give Alabama a tough game in the, the second round. Uh, Weird your boy, style. Eric, your boy Eric Stevenson really, better be on fire, man. I tell you what. Yeah, I would say uh, I would say West Virginia is kind of that weird style, unique team that you don't want to play in that second game in two days, right? It's it's like those second games when you only have twenty four hours to really prepare, and your team's really only doing a walkthrough and not practicing against it. Those can be the interesting games. Like that's why I wouldn't want to play TCU in the second game. That's why I would want to play Kentucky in the second game. That's why I wouldn't. Want to play West Virginia in the second game? Yeah. Uh, T- TCU potentially gets Gonzaga in a, in a second game in a three six. Yeah. That'd be a heck. That'd be a heck of a game. 
I would love yeah, that. Yeah, because you gotta you got if you don't know TCU well like other Big 12 teams and you have 24 hours to prepare, I mean that's not ideal at all. And those are two teams that want to run like crazy. Gonzaga up there in pace and Gonzaga's really their spurt lately has been kicked in gear by pressing teams. They've been pressing like crazy and trying to to turn you over. And we know TCU wants to do that too. So talk about a track meet. That'd be a fun one. All right. Any any closing thoughts here? Any final thoughts? I'm sure we'll, we'll have time to gather ourselves and uh, get you some more before K-State actually tips this thing off. Next, like Friday night, man, that, just such a long time. It's going to be like eight days and you're getting the very last window of the first round on Friday night by the time they actually play again. A long time to sit here with this TCU taste in your mouth, unfortunately, but uh, and there'll be tons of nerves. But but your final thoughts here? Yeah, two things that I'll take away. One of them is the takeaway for that Jerome Tang made. Uh, and you play on Friday. Uh, coaches actually like to play on Friday because they think that less upsets happen on Friday because all those teams watch everybody get the, you know, the bejesus scared out of them on Thursday and they kind of lock in a little bit. So playing in that late window on Friday is usually where the least amount of carnage happens. So. I maybe kind of an ideal time spot. Um, even though if if you're uh, you tend to go to bed at nine or ten o'clock, you, you might you might miss uh, the second half. So I don't who knows on that. Second for me, it's uh, you know almost lost. I just lost it. So next, whoever's up, go. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, well, I, uh, I I like being the Friday night game guys because I can enjoy at least Thursday without having to worry about my team getting knocked was, out right away. That was that was my takeaway. That's what it was. <laughs> I can watch those those first sixteen games uh, on Thursday and not worry that my team's already out, which has happened before, right? And so, as a fan perspective, I certainly don't mind it. And then if you win the Friday game. You get to enjoy most of the second round until you play on Sunday, right, where your team is still in it and still being talked about uh, on a national scale. So I like that. Now, John, to your point, that is eight days of rest. Now, we think this team needed some rest, but is that too long? Is there going to be a rust factor that kicks in that maybe they're a little slow out of the gate on Friday night and then start to relax after that first 10 minutes and uh, get in more of a rhythm? Because that is a long layoff. Now, we'd have to check when the Big Sky tournament was played because I don't you know, a lot of those other lower level conferences play even a little earlier. So they may have even had more time off, but K-State should be fresh. And I think that will help them as well. Now playing late at night, I think as a, as a player, you know, you get a little uptight because you got to sit around all day. Uh, Chris Kleiman in football, he likes 11 a.m. kicks, right? Because he doesn't want his guys sitting around all day thinking about the game playing at night. Uh, I don't know what Jerome Tang's stance is on that, but you're dealt the hand you're dealt, and uh, they'll just have to play through it. But I, I, I don't mind the the late tip time. Montana State yeah. played on Wednesday. Yeah. I, I am just as someone with a with a job. I'm just glad it wasn't like Thursday where I'd have to like. I mean, I'm talking about Cole. If you, I will take Friday off. I will absolutely take Friday off. But I was worried about it being like Thursday at 11 and me having to be like, all right, am I going to like use a vacation day to take Thursday and then come back to work Friday? Like, I, I do, I do enjoy the time slot. From from that standpoint. So, anyway, well, plenty of uh, plenty of other stuff coming your way. Uh, we appreciate Holiday Distillery, Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, three sixty vodka. Stock up. You got plenty of time to uh, get lathered up before the game tips off on Friday. Support those that support the pod. We appreciate the work of uh, Jordan Foot behind the scenes in keeping us on air here as well. And uh, thank you to everybody who came by and participated in this, especially USA Gaming Kentucky fan who got no respect from anybody else here on the pod. I, I have respect for my opponents like Kentucky and, of course, Montana State as well. We will talk to you guys soon. Uh, enjoy. We'll see you on the next three months. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.